There's no greater joy in life than becoming a mom or dad. And just when you think you've got the hang of it, you're becoming a parent again for your own mom and dad. If you're raising kids and helping aging parents, welcome aboard. You're one of us in the sandwich generation. This is the Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey. Chris was an offensive lineman with the Super Bowl 21 champion New York Giants. Today, he is an estate planning and elder law attorney in South Bend, helping families make the most of their home field advantage. Hi, Mom. That's usually the first thing a player says when he knows a TV camera's on him. Why? Because winners know how to give others their due. God wants all of us to win, so he wrote his law in our hearts. He even wrote it in stone. While the first three of the Ten Commandments are about giving God his due, the very first one of all the others is, no, it's not thou shalt not kill, but rather it's you shall honor your father and mother. Wow. As youngsters, we learned that that meant obeying our parents. But what does that mean when we're adults? There's no expiration date in this law. So how does it still apply? And for our topic today, what's it like having mom move in with you? Our guest has spent his entire professional life considering such questions. A graduate of the Notre Dame Law School, Deacon Fred Everett currently serves at the St. Matthew Cathedral Church in South Bend. For many years, he and his lovely wife, Lisa, served as co-directors of the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocesan Office for Family Life. They have a whole bunch of kids, and even more grandkids on the way, and he currently serves as the Director of Evangelization for the Diocese. Well, welcome, Fred. This is such an interesting law because it's so positive. Rather than telling us what not to do, it's telling us what to do. It's a rather open-ended proposition, don't you think? It sure is, Chris, because when you think about it, it's easy to tell someone not to do this very specific thing, but when you Tell someone to do something like honor your father and your mother. That's so open-ended. That means there's lots of things you could be doing. And that's why, especially with that commandment, you really need to be in prayer with the Lord. What's he asking you specifically at any stage of life? Mm -hmm. So we were parishioners together at Corpus Christi for many years, you know, sharing the same responsibilities of supporting a family and raising kids. But at one point, something changed about the Everett family. Okay. Your mom came to live with you, and she actually moved from Florida, which uh, doesn't it usually work the other way around? Usually does. (laughs) You must have been an exceptionally good son. (laughs) Only son. (laughs) (laughs) She had no choice. (laughs) So how did that come about? You must have, you and Lisa must have shared some concerns. At least you must have talked it out extensively because that's quite a big move. Who initiated that, you or your mom? Um, well, in a certain sense, I did. And, and really, it goes back to when I was a child. My father left home uh, right before I turned 11. Um, and it was one of those things that I saw her go through a really tough time. And in my mind, I thought, wouldn't it be great someday if she would have the, the benefit of being able to live with me, to be around uh, my kids and her grandkids and be able to enjoy life that way? 
And the truth is, it wasn't just my idea. It was actually what I saw my aunt do with with her parents. Uh, and I would go and visit their home all the time. And so my grandmother and my grandfather were there with my aunt, and we would always be at their house. And so there was always this sense of this larger family taking care of each other. And so I just sort of, you know, just thought in my mind, well, that's how I'll do it as well. Oh, that's a beautiful thought and and something that would inspire all of us. But I'm sure there might have been a concern or two. What were what were those? Yeah. So, you know, the years went by and my mom was happily working down in Florida and with her family was down there. And uh, and then her you know time was coming up towards retirement. And so it was really a time then of discernment for, for Lisa and me. You know, is this really the right move to, to have her come up? And uh, will we you know, probably need to go find another home that would be able to accommodate that. And so there was. There was a, a moment that we really had to sort of discern that. And in the end, I was, I, I was thinking myself, like, well, you know, we'll just have to let God do this uh, and speak to us. And I remember one day Lisa said, no, I think this is what we, sh- we should do. So she really was the one that finally came to that conclusion that we should invite her to come up and, and live with us. And what was the biggest concern, though, as far as doing it? I mean, there must have been a couple of drawbacks there. That Sure. Yeah. No, obviously, I mean, um, you know, luckily, Lisa, and my mom got along well together. But the truth is, whenever you have two women in the same household, especially in the same kitchen, you know, friction is bound to happen. Only and one gets to hold the spoon. <laughs> that's right. And at the time, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal, but there were. I mean, transitioning, there ended up being more, a little bit more of more hiccups than I thought there would be. But she knew that going in. I mean, Lisa did. And and I think we just made the resolution that, hey, we was just going to make it work out. And that if, as long as there was open dialogue and, and willingness to confront it, issues and not try to bury them, um, that, you know, we would, we would just make it happen. How did you go about bringing this up to your mom? Since <laughs> it started in your, the ball was in your court here. Yeah. And, uh, how did you approach that? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think once Lisa and I had come to that conclusion, then, then I could start saying to her, you know, hey, what, when are you thinking of retiring now? And what's the timeline? And uh, on our end, this is what we'd be looking at in terms of, you know, maybe like a mother-in-law suite type idea and, and things of that nature. And so I think, you know, even for her, it wasn't necessarily a, a done deal at the beginning because she really had no health issues. It was really a question of, you know, bettering her life situation and being around her grandkids, which she really loved. And so it wasn't as if it was a forced situation, like sometimes it has to be where you just figure out, hey, I got to take care of mom or dad, and this is what's going to have to be. So we really had the leisure to sort of plan it out. And so it didn't just sort of just happen. Mm. Uh, It was really over a few years Mm. uh, of talking and figuring out and things like that. Yeah, so it wasn't an impulse, in other words. No, it was not an impulse. Sounds like a lot of prayer went into that, too. (laughs) Well, you're listening to The Sandwich Generation on Redeemer Radio. I'm Chris Godfrey, and my guest is Deacon Fred Everett, and we're talking about honoring our parents, and in particular, in Fred's case, inviting your mom to move in with you. So how did your mom... um, experience the the chemistry of being here in South Bend, Indiana, as opposed to her home, your childhood home, Miami, Florida. Right. And she's, I remember her as being a very gracious, very faithful woman, mm-hmm. saw her in church a lot, sure. uh, not just on Sundays, and right. uh, mm-hmm. must have been a heck of a mom. And I was wondering, like, from her vantage point, you know, we can all see the great benefit of to our parents providing a family environment for them. And I just wonder how, through her eyes, things went being here. Yeah. 
Yeah. No. So we talked about it before about the, the little hiccups at the beginning. Well, so when you visit a grandparent, you know, obviously a lot of times they just like to spoil their kids and have some candies and do this and this and that. But it changes when you start living in the same household. In other words, you still can't just be doing all this stuff all the time. And so I think that's when that was one of the issues. You had to realize that this was going to be different now, how being a grandma was going to be a bit different now if she was living with us, you know, full time and and what that would mean. And so there were adjustments, but the kids really enjoyed it and they benefited from it. You know, uh, my mom was from Cuba originally. And so um, we homeschooled our kids through eighth grade in our house. And so she she became our our Spanish teacher. Oh, and so nice. yeah, so she would have the kids in to her room and she'd go through Spanish with them uh, as they went through uh, until eighth grade. So your family chemistry certainly must have changed. It did. Became much richer. Um, you mentioned actually having made the decision that we're going to have to stay on top of this situation. So how did you do that in a, in a natural sort of way to be able to always have that open forum to talk about things. So that was just the thing. I mean, what I had to be careful with my own situation was not being the middleman, you know, uh, hearing it from Lisa, then hearing it from my mom and whatever it would be. So it was my job to, okay, let's all sit down together, the three of us, and let's talk this through. And uh, and so I think setting that tone from the beginning, like I'm not going to be the middleman here, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm going to try to bring this together and just have you know an open conversation, and uh, and try to see things from everybody's point of view, and then come out with a, a reasonable solution. And I think, especially in the beginning when we were making those adjustments, that was really critical. Uh, you know, as as, the, as time went by, that was less and less necessary as we got to be accustomed to each other and and uh, and sensitivities. You know, because that's sometimes things that when you see each other just on, you know, let's say a week, you know, visiting either her visiting us or our visiting her, um, you know, you don't have to worry as much about those types of things because it's just a short period of time. But when you're living all together, then all of a sudden you realize, okay, there's certain sensitivities there and and you have to be conscious of those and respectful of those in order to continue to be able to to make this into a pleasant, you know, living experience. (laughs) Did you have a sort of formula that you like to follow? You know, when we have meetings in business or within the office with your with uh, your team, you usually have a format to follow. Was this? Yeah. How did this work? Did you, yeah. Were you very frank in laying out your difficulties, or did you? Yeah, so my role was more just to just to make sure the conversation happened mm-hmm. and and to be part of it, but to really let each express what was going on inside uh, and and get out some sort of sensitivities that maybe neither saw what was that was going on. And so and sometimes there's misinterpretation of things, you know, so mm-hmm. all those things. So really, it's about airing those things out. And, and maybe I would be there to help clarify something, maybe sometimes add my own two cents. But really, it was just to try to help you know, work together as a team and uh, and to bring make sure everybody felt like they had a chance to express uh, themselves in this, but also to be able to listen to the other person and understand things from their point of view. Sounds like you got some great training for your new role as deacon here. Yeah, you know, pastoral training that money can't buy. (laughs) That's right. Up close and personal. How did this affect your prayer, prayer life? Wow. So, so as it happened, um, when my mother moved in, um, there was also something on going on on Lisa's side of the family, extended side of the family that caused a lot of tension in her. So those two things coming together at the same time was not the ideal situation. 
And it really affected her deeply. Uh, and she just uh, went through a really tough period. And I was at my wit's end, like, what, how do I handle all this coming together at the same time? And, uh, and I honestly, I started going to mass. There was a, a 630 mass down in the crypt in Notre Dame. And I'm usually not a 630 in the mass kind of guy, <laughs> but let me tell you. Somebody that wants to get out of the house, it's not bad. But I was going, you know, and I was praying. I, you know, I, we'd go to mass. I'd go to mass by myself. I'd pray there before the Blessed Sacrament. I'd say, okay, Lord, you know, what's the plan here? You know, help me here. Uh, you know, and he, and so he fed me. And and honestly, again, even though it was a difficult period, I mean, I often look back to that time that, you know, because I was so and almost sometimes feeling, feeling desperate for like, what am I supposed to do here? He really answered that. Mm. And I went through a spiritual growth through that period of difficulty that I don't think I would have gone through otherwise had mm. uh, had that not happened. And, had, and I just had to read out to the Lord, like, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? Mm -hmm. Yes, he's faithful and he's trustworthy. That's right. Um, and we often forget that. Yep. And we look at it's, in retrospect to those difficult times. We're very grateful, but don't necessarily have that perspective when you're going through it. Right. So what do you think was the biggest thing that you learned from your mother, kind of being reunited under under the same roof? It was sort of fun. Um, I can still remember because, you know, she brought up the furniture from Miami for her. She had a bedroom and then a, a sitting room. And uh, and it was sort of neat because some of the furniture that she brought up was furniture from my childhood. And so it almost <laughs> felt like a, a bit of Miami was moving up to South Bend. <laughs> but no. So, I mean, you use that word before enrichment. And, uh, and I really felt that that's what it was, that it just gave a certain, um, it allowed the kids to connect to their Cuban heritage, for example, and to experience it in a way that they wouldn't have had we not had that closer proximity together. And all the kids had then their ability to, to have those special moments with her because of her just being, you know, it was easy. It just, uh, you know, you could just pop in her room. She would often be in the same exact spot on the couch that she had in her sitting room. And you could just sit in there for, you know, 10, 20 minutes, whatever, talk for a while and then just leave. Mm. And, and, you know, and that, and everybody sort of, you know, did that. And, uh, so she had her own little space she within did. the house. Yeah. And I think that was important. Yeah. That was important for her to have that space. You're listening to the sandwich generation with Chris Gonfrey on Redeemer radio. I'm Chris Godfrey, and my guest is Deacon Fred Everett, and we're talking about having his mother, Issa, move in with them. So you went through that transition of mom moving in. Yes. But then she stayed with you for the rest of her life, and there was she a did. period of illness near the end, was there not? There was, yeah. So she was with us for 14 years, and um, it was really a beautiful story, really, in, in its own way, because... Um, so she would always go down to Miami, you know, once or twice a year with visit her sister and the other family down there. Get her lottery ticket. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the funny thing was on her last trip there, she had this weird sense and she actually cried on the way to the airport as my cousin hmm. took her there. And she says, why are you crying? And she says, because I believe I just feel in my heart. This is my farewell trip. This is my trip to say goodbye to everybody. And that was even before she had any negative diagnosis of anything. And and then, you know, when she got back home, we, we went to the doctor and this and that. And next thing you know, you know, she basically had a uh, type of lung cancer that was sort of rare. And there really nothing she could do about it, even though she never smoked or anything like mm. that. But I really felt, again, the Lord's hand, like the Lord was preparing her. The Lord was helping me to prepare her to have a holy death. And she died on, uh, on uh, Holy Saturday. Uh, right in the evening, just as the vigil mass would be mm. starting. 
And, uh, and the whole family was gathered there. We'd been praying with her the entire day. And, uh, and when she passed away, sitting on her couch, where she always sat, she actually, she passed away sitting in her spot. We just laid her out on her couch, it was a white couch. And then we also had Easter lilies. And so we put all these Easter lilies right in front of her couch. And then the kids, again, were able just to come in and just sit there with her for a while and, you know, and remember the good times. And so, you know, it was, uh, it, it was a beautiful experience. And even the end there, especially I think Lisa and my mom especially got much, much closer. Um, and I remember her telling me, I think the day before she dies, like, or maybe a couple of days, you know, Lisa's been just like a daughter to me this oh, whole time, beautiful. just like a daughter. And you could tell there was that sense of appreciation. And I think they both were really happy. They both ended on a really, really beautiful note. That's beautiful. A hard, hard earned uh, compliment, it sounds <laughs> yeah. like. Yes. So how did you help your, I mean, practically speaking, how, how long was her illness and helping her prepare for a holy death? I mean, that would be great to get some insights from somebody yeah. like yourself. Sure. Because all of us go through this period of time, usually with the older parents. We're all living yeah. longer now and we all want to do what's best. But, you know, death is scary in a lot of ways or we're afraid of and scaring somebody else by talking about it. But sure. I understand that that's kind of a counterintuitive reaction that people don't mind talking about it. Was that your experience or how did you help your mother through that? No, it, it, it was my experience. Um, you know, I mean, I think her premonition or whatever it was that it was coming helped me as well to because she had already accepted it. She just felt like she already knew what was going to happen, what's going to happen. Yeah, so the doctor told her you've got X Well, right. So she went through these tests and then she got the report in and uh, and it just showed there was, you know, it spread throughout her whole body. Mm. So we just knew at that point that was that was it. Other than maybe things to slow it down, you know. Um, and uh, but no, for me, as far as, you know, for anybody, I mean, it's like this, the idea of, you know, peaceful death and a holy death. You know, it's opening your heart to receive God's mercy and love. And the, the most important thing is is two things, really, is, first of all, um, you know, repenting for all the things you've done wrong yourself and, and, and being honest with yourself. But the other thing, which can even be sometimes harder to do, is, is forgiving anyone who's in any way wronged you. And, and, and in my mind, I really wanted to make sure that she had forgiven my father for what he had done in leaving home. And so she did. She ended up writing him a long note. And I can remember it was only a couple, a few weeks before she passed away, a couple of weeks. Uh, it was on her birthday, actually, that uh, that a card came back from him. And, and, and it met, you know, it just happened to fall oh. on her birthday. <laughs> it wasn't, I don't think, intended. And yet I could just see that it had this, just it gave her a tremendous amount of peace, you know. Wow. And so I think that's really what you're looking for is to open someone's heart to forgiving anyone, to receiving the Lord's love and, and then putting your trust that he'll be with you at every step uh, of the process. Beautiful. This is the Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey on Redeemer Radio. And my guest is Deacon Fred Everett of St. Matthew's Cathedral Parish in South Bend. And Fred, uh, I think that beautiful experience, uh, as great as it was, was the good things kept coming. It was a beautiful funeral mass over Corpus Christi. Uh, our bishop, Kevin Rhodes, presided. And yeah. it was quite a send off. Your, your family that grew with your mother and you're all together. Yeah. Um, it was it was nice to see all of that. And a re really a, 
a, a great witness at the mm-hmm. time. And the story that you're sharing with us right now is certainly a beautiful one. What would you tell somebody that was looking at maybe considering uh, upping their game, being in their parents' lives right now? What would be if they're listening to this and they're nodding their heads and going, yeah, that is beautiful. I want that for my mom or dad. I want that for me. How would you suggest they begin to discern this new and changing relationship they have with their parents? Yeah, that's a great question. I'd say uh, the first thing is not to assume that you you should or you shouldn't do something because sometimes we can be motivated by guilt or we see somebody do something. Oh, I should do that as well. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, is that you know, God has a plan for each one of us, what we should do or what we shouldn't do. And so it's really going to him in prayer. And 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 really, it, you know, obviously something like living into your house, that's a big decision. But it, it, more often than not, it's, it's in the little decisions, the day in and day out. You know, what am I called to do right now? Maybe it's uh, just... You know, say someone, for example, has two parents and one needs a lot of care. Maybe it's just going in uh, to be with one, uh, you know, one day a week while the other one has a chance to do something else that day or whatever it might be uh, to give them a respite from that. Uh, So it it really just depends on the situation. It can be very small things. It can be very large things. Um, But it's just that openness and that tentative to to what the Lord is asking. Because if you think about it, you know, going back to the beginning, when we're talking about the fourth commandment and how it's open ended, you know, when, when we look at the, the gospel, for example, of Matthew and Matthew's judgment, um, when Jesus separates the sheep from the goats, it's not because the goats did a bunch of bad things. It's for things that they didn't do. Right. They didn't feed the hungry. They didn't mm-hmm. clothe the naked. They didn't visit the imprisoned. And so really, that's why these these commandments that are open ended are, are the trickiest ones. But they're but they're also really the ones that we really need to pay a lot of attention to, because it's easy to have sins of omission, things that I didn't do. And that's why you really have to be attentive in your prayer life to, you know, what can I be doing for mom or dad right now to help them at this stage in their life? And a big part of that might be just to get quiet enough to ask yourself those questions. Yeah. We're so inundated with stuff that's going on in our active lives. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Forming a prayer life, you know, just to, when I tell people they haven't a regular prayer life, just even starting with 10 minutes a day, maybe even read a little bit of scripture until something hits you and then just stop and then just meditating over that and then talking to the Lord. Uh just as a regular habit can really make a difference than, than being able to hear his voice a little better when it's talking about, you know, all the different people that we interact with in our lives. So thanks for being with us today, Fred. Uh, real quickly, what would be the top two blessings of having mom move in with you? And maybe the, 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 the top two curses, if you will, <laughs> of having mom move in with you. Okay. Uh, sounds good. Well, I think in some ways they're really flip sides of each other. Because uh, the, the greatest blessings was uh, how we grew uh, spiritually uh, as a couple, Lisa and I, because whenever you're dealing with something that can be difficult, when a couple deals with that, uh, it goes either two ways. Either it, it really puts a stress on your, on your marriage and you, in fact, uh, fall apart or it brings you closer together. So any crisis or difficulty will do any of those two things. And I think really 
when we went through that period, I think it really brought us closer together because there were those difficulties. And and just to give you an example, I mean, it might be something like, oh, uh, the garden, you know, what flowers are we going to plant or who's going to be, you know, doing this thing or that thing in the garden and uh, what plants. And so, you know, sometimes just even little things like, well, how about you work on this part here and you can work on that, you know, as far as, you know, things that just make things work easier. And, and so there wasn't any you know, any moment that this was like, oh, this is terrible. It was it was just the, doing the small things and learning how to be sensitive to each other. But the biggest thing was when things were, you know, sort of emotionally taking its toll, it was learning how then to work on that through honest dialogue. And uh, and so for us, it was, again, it was a huge boost to to our closeness as a couple. And, uh, and, and so that was beautiful in the end, you know, in that sense. Well, good. Thank you very much, Fred. You're very welcome, Chris. Great to have been here. I think your discussion of justice and giving others their due comes full circle when we talk about our parents. And now for some closing thoughts. The Catholic Church has always included a robust discussion of mercy whenever it talks about justice, and especially when talking about family life. It just isn't possible for there to be real family life without mercy. Just what shape this mercy takes is the challenge we face. It's good to remember that one size doesn't fit all. For example, I've got a buddy who runs a nursing home, and he told me of the time when a man actually thanked him for saving his marriage. And my friend was taken aback by this comment. But it turns out my friend saved his marriage indirectly by convincing his difficult mother-in-law to move out of his house and into the assisted living center. So wherever prudence may lead you in honoring your parents, remember that St. Augustine tells us that mercy is the luster or the glory of the soul. It enriches and causes its appearance to be good and beautiful. So I look forward to being with you next time on The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey, where we are better because of each other. If you have a question about today's topic, feel free to email us at sandwichgeneration at redeemerradio.com. Comments by the host or any of his guests should not be construed as legal advice. If you would like to learn how to protect your stuff in three easy steps, call Godfrey Law Offices at 574-237-9000 or email them at info at godfreylawoffices.com. And for a free will offering, you can receive a copy of the Friends of God Rosary Booklet. Go to redeemerradio.com forward slash sandwich and fill out the form for more information. You can download this or any other episode of our show by searching The Sandwich Generation wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to like and subscribe.
You've been listening to The Sandwich Generation with Chris Godfrey, a production of Redeemer Radio. 